The Twonky by Henry Kettner and C.L. Moore Part 4 In dressing gown and slippers, Carrie stumbled out to stare at the console. It was back in its former place, looking as though it had never moved. Carrie, rather white around the gills, made breakfast. He was allowed only one cup of coffee. The radio appeared, reprovingly took the second cup from his hand, and emptied it into the sink. That was quite enough for Carrie Westerfield. He found his hat and topcoat and almost ran out of the house. He had a horrid feeling that the radio might follow him, but it didn't, luckily, for his sanity. He was beginning to be worried. During the morning, he found time to telephone Mid-Eastern. The salesman knew nothing. It was a standard model combination, the latest. If it wasn't giving satisfaction, of course, he'd be glad to... It's okay, Carrie said. But who made the thing? That's what I want to find out. One moment, sir. There was a delay. It came from Mr. Lloyd's department, one of our foremen. Uh, let me speak to him, please. But Lloyd wasn't very helpful. After much thought, he remembered that the combination had been placed in the stockroom without a serial number. It had been added later. But who made it? I just don't know. I can find out for you, I guess. Suppose I ring you back. Don't forget, Carrie said, and went back to his class. The lecture on the venerable bead wasn't too successful. At lunch, he saw Fitzgerald, who seemed relieved when Carrie came over to his table. Find out any more about your pet robot? The psychology professor demanded. No one else was within hearing. With a sigh, Carrie sat down and lit a cigarette. Not a thing. It's a pleasure to be able to do this myself. He drew smoke into his lungs. I phoned the company. And? They don't know anything, except that it didn't have a serial number. That may be significant, Fitzgerald said. Carrie told the other about the incidents of the book and the coffee, and Fitzgerald squinted thoughtfully at his milk. I've given you some psych tests. Too much stimulation isn't good for you. A detective yarn. Carrying it a bit to extremes, I'll admit, but I can understand why the robot acted that way, though I don't know how he managed it. He hesitated. Without intelligence, that is. Intelligence? Carrie licked his lips. I'm not so sure that it's just a machine, and I'm not crazy. No, you're not. But you say the robot was in the front room. How could it tell what you were reading? Short of x-ray vision and super-fast scanning and assimilative powers? I can't imagine. Perhaps it doesn't want me to read anything. You've read something, Fitzgerald grunted. Know much about theoretical machines of that type? Robots? Purely theoretical. Your brain's a colloid, you know. Compact, complicated, but slow. Suppose you work out a gadget 
with a multi-million radio atom unit embedded in an insulating material. The result is a brain, Carrie. A brain with a tremendous number of units interacting at light velocity speeds. A radio tube adjusts current flow when it's operating at 40 million separate singles a second. And, theoretically, a radioatomic brain of the type I've mentioned could include perception, recognition, consideration, reaction, and adjustment in a hundred thousandth of a second. Theory. I've thought so, but I'd like to find out where your radio came from. A page came over. Telephone call from Mr. Westerfield. Carrie excused himself and left. When he returned, there was a puzzled frown knitting his dark brows. Fitzgerald looked at him inquiringly. A guy named Lloyd at the Mideastern plant. I was talking to him about the radio. Any luck? Carey shook his head. No. Well, not much. He didn't know who had built the thing. But it was built in the plant. Yes, about two weeks ago, but there's no record of who worked on it. Lloyd seemed to think that was very, very funny. If a radio's built in the plant, they know who put it together. So? So nothing. I asked him how to open the cabinet, and he said it was easy. Just unscrew the panel in the back. There aren't any screws, Fitzgerald said. I know. They looked at one another. Fitzgerald said, I'd give 50 bucks to find out whether that robot was really built only two weeks ago. Why? Because a radioatomic brain would need training, even in such matters as the lighting of a cigarette. It saw me light one. And followed the example. The dishwashing, hmm, induction, I suppose. If that gadget's been trained, it's a robot. If it hasn't, Fitzgerald stopped. Carrie blinked. Yes? I don't know what the devil it is. It bears the same relation to a robot that we bear to Aohippus. One thing I do know, Carrie, it's very probable that no scientist today has the knowledge it would take to make a, a thing like that. You're arguing in circles, Carrie said. It was made. Uh-huh. But how? When? And by whom? That's what's got me worried. Well, I've got a class in five minutes. Why not come over tonight? Can't. I'm lecturing at the hall. I'll phone you after, though. With a nod, Carrie went out, trying to dismiss the matter from his mind. He succeeded pretty well, but dining alone in a restaurant that night, he began to feel a general unwillingness to go home. A hobgoblin was waiting for him. Brandy, he told the waiter. Make it double.